Hello, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. Victoria here, and it is such an honor to serve you in this way, and it delights my heart to no end to have you here with me week after week. I'm blessed beyond measure and ever so grateful for your support. Thank you for tuning in. And say, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please join the private Choose to Think Facebook group. Just search Choose to Think with the number two and you'll find us. Today's episode is part two, Educate, in our series, Our Souls Have No Color. You'll remember from episode 26, part one, Examine, how we took a deep dive into our own thoughts and beliefs about racism. I've invited you into my journey. And, you know, we uncovered a few definitions to set the foundation, and I shared my journey of self-reflection regarding topics such as bias, prejudices, racism, and discrimination. I realized that any type of lasting change must start in my heart and be fully aligned with my core beliefs. My ministry, Start With a Grateful Heart, stresses the importance of taking every thought captive, and even the Choose to Think ministry portion of that, and walking daily with a renewed mind. Now, the educate step has been quite difficult for me to simplify. I can tell you I felt overwhelmed because there are so many resources. Some left, some right, some liberal, some conservative, Christians here, Christians there. I've scratched my head more than once wondering exactly whom to believe in my attempt to educate myself and whom to steer clear of, perhaps because they have hidden agendas or worldviews that do not support biblical principles as I understand them. And I I am praying to become more discerning and wise as I go. Now, let me be the first to say, although I want to better understand this issue, my attempt is rather feeble. Maybe you can relate. You're like me. You're working, taking care of your family, trying to maintain your home, perhaps you're renovating or completing projects, as well as you're trying to keep up with your own emotional and physical health, and you're pouring into your valued relationships. You've got church. You've got your ministry. You know, we're all juggling a lot. And I want to confess from the get-go that I have not studied this topic as thoroughly as perhaps I should have, nor am I qualified to offer you an opinion that you should esteem. I am not a scholar in any way. I'm a 56-year-old single white grandmother trying to emphasize the beauty of the message of the gospel that says our souls have no color. I'm suggesting that racism is a spiritual issue. You may think, well, that's fine, but so what? How does that solve it? Well, This is one reason I even do a podcast, a blog, and I have a ministry in the first place. Maybe I think there's just one person who will grab a hold of the hope that God is extending, and then change will occur in that heart. What an ambitious dream that I have. Yes, you know, I would love to influence even one individual for Christ. And I've also made a note to self. It might be better for me without a proper investment of time and research to steer a bit away from social issues and stick with simply being a thoughts coach, so to speak. Coming to this realization even has been a part of the educational journey for me as I've studied this topic. Now, 
for today, I want to reiterate, I'm only scratching the surface of how I am approaching the issue of racism. I don't want to be a sideliner and just be silent and say nothing. My heart really is out to help in some way as God would see fit. Now, this said, you need to listen at your own risk. You may feel like I do, and you're just trying your best to examine your heart, take a position, and do something. In my educational journey, I've discovered what I'm calling three hurdles surrounding this issue of racism. The first hurdle is a bit ironic to me, as I see it a part of the problem. And again, you must remember that I'm sharing my journey, my questions, my understandings, is that the very moment we call out a particular color, we may unwittingly be emphasizing discrimination. We may not be helping the cause. Unwittingly, we may be hurting it and promulgating separation based on skin color. The Bible teaches that our souls have no color. All humans are made in the image of God. Biologically, we are the human kind. Our souls truly have no color. The color or tone of our skin is sacred and it's God-given. And you're thinking, well, that's fine if you believe that, but not everybody does. You're right. And I want to quickly go on to say that there's indeed a difference in the treatment of humans based on color and nationality. It's a technical point, but I didn't want to miss this. Of course, all lives matter, including the unborn ones. And if one color group is not treated fairly, we take a stand for the mistreated. We may need to focus on that color group and the issues at hand, pursuing equality and equity. So let's go ahead at this moment and throw a few defini definitions out there. What is the difference between equality and equity? Okay, you may know that I raised four children, and I did not treat them equally in terms of their needs. If one kid were out or outgrew his sneakers, I bought him a new pair. I did not at that moment also buy the other three children new tennis shoes to keep things equal. Why? Because they didn't need them. I used my resources to supply for the kid who actually needed new shoes. This is an example of equity. And this brings me to the second hurdle that I noticed in my research. I asked myself, why do we treat people differently based on color, creed, religion, nationality, etc.? You know, I think there is something about sinful human nature that longs to be superior and oppressive to some extent. Racism is an issue of the heart. My own human heart longs to prove my worth. I may compete, compare myself with others. I might attempt to earn my value using externals like status and rank and power. Sometimes I'm tempted to cut someone else down because it lifts me higher. This is pride, and it's not morally okay to have this residing in my heart as a Christian. Okay, the third hurdle in learning how to overcome is, is learning how to overcome extreme hardship, getting over obstacles, adopting a solutions mindset. The Negro race has overcome incredible and unconscionable hardships. I cannot even wrap my mind around the atrocities many of this race have experienced. This treatment has been morally wrong, calloused, brutal, and it is anti-biblical. 
this type of racial injustice and oppressive treatment has only logically, by virtue of what's going on, created victims. You and I even are probably victims to some extent or situation as well. But it is a trap of the enemy of our souls to get stuck and to adopt the identity of victim. Doing this creates hopelessness and even despair. Now, am I suggesting that some black Americans are exercising this so-called victim mentality? Truly, I'm not sure. It seems logical to think that any minority group ever targeted and oppressed in any way would have to come to grips with their victimization. I can only imagine it would be extremely difficult to resist this tendency to hold on to the identity of victim. In some ways, in doing this might even just be a call for additional help. I get that. Yet, thank goodness, I also see that when there's a mindset shift, no matter your color, no matter the injustice, no matter the hardship, that great change can occur. There are far too many individuals of any color, shape, and size and ableness who are champions, who have overcome atrocious situations and extreme hardships in this world and in this life. They refuse to be stymied by social stereotyping, discrimination, and even despair. They pursued positive change, and they were solutions-minded. They had hope, and they promoted it for the future. Now listen to one such hero. I'm not unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama, go back to South Carolina, go back to Georgia, go back to Louisiana, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. (laughs) 
and not only equal, but also in God's image, I think Martin Luther King Jr. would preach. It is so easy to fall into this trap of being the victim. And we all do this. It's a focus on self-pity, self, self-put-down. It beckons despair and defeat. It can create hopelessness. God never calls you or me a victim. He does tell us, however, that our suffering is redemptive, that our faith and hope can increase through our earthly trials. And by the way, if you'd like to listen to the entire I Have a Dream speech, the link is in the show notes. So hurdle number one, I must not perpetuate the problem by segregating races, which only exacerbates discriminatory mindsets from the get-go. Apples are not pears, but they are both fruits. I can celebrate the diversity in God's creation and appreciate contrasting physical attributes accordingly. It is God who gives me worth and value. Hurdle number two, I must not give way to pride and a desire to feel better than or superior to any other individual based on my own color, social standing, economic position, etc. The Christian was, um, it was stressed as a Christian to put others first and to not give way to selfish gain. And hurdle number three, I must reject the notion that I'm a victim of my circumstance. This is not my identity in Christ. I must choose to think. If I keep thinking of myself as a victim, then surely I am one. The hope for growth and maturity are cut off at the knees in this case. However, if I reframe my situation, no matter how horrific, into understanding that I am a child of the one true God, the creator of the universe, and that I have royal privileges in his household, then my need to declare victimization loses momentum. Now, you may be thinking, wait, Victoria, this is so easy for you to say because, after all, you're white. Well, we will talk about white privilege in a moment, but none of us chooses his or her race. I do not want to categorically accuse or deem anyone guilty because of skin color. We all have issues, problems, hardships that we've overcome regardless of our skin color. Yes, it is has likely been an easier road for me in some ways because I'm white. And I don't know what to do about this fact other than to examine my own heart, attempt to educate myself accordingly, and engage by helping others practically speaking as best I can. I'm not guilty for the sins of my fathers or grandfathers or their grandfathers, but I can reject the devaluing of human life. I can stand against the injustices that were passed down generationally. I can speak out for change and support others who combat racism and hate as well. Now, before we look at the three action items in this education step, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. And welcome back. In my quest to educate myself, my approach took on three action items. Number one, develop empathy. Number two, lean on the heavies. And number three, commit to spending a set amount of time learning and educating myself each week. Let's go through each one. First, what is empathy? Various synonyms include affinity, appreciation, compassion, insight, sympathy, warmth. I looked up the word compassion in Hebrew and found that the root means to spare, to pity, to be mild, gentle, long-suffering, show a softness toward. Now, how can I develop and foster empathy? There are many ways, such as through reading books, watching movies, researching the causes of various organizations, taking courses and classes, traveling and volunteering. Now, when I increase my empathy levels, what happens? My heart softens and I become more compassionate for anyone less privileged than I in any way. I want to have an open heart and I want to have a mind bent 
toward the lost, the poor, the downtrodden. Anytime you and I, with hearts and mindset to help, step into situations where we are needed, we're essentially being educated. We're, we're deepening our understanding. This is one of the reasons I wanted all my kids to travel outside of the United States. I wanted their eyes to be open to poverty and hardship and just how much privilege we enjoy here in the United States. I wanted them to feel like the minority. Now, I found this Mark Twain quote, and it stresses the impact of travel. And here's the quote. Travel is fatal to prejudice bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime, end quote. You and I can exercise empathy when we step into a world different from our own. Our perspective changes. We better understand our fellow humans and what things are like in their world. And this might be a good moment to talk about white privilege. Exactly what is it? In a nutshell, white privilege refers to the fact that by virtue of my white skin that I have advantages socially, materialistically, and otherwise, over folks with different tones of skin or ethnicity. Often those advantages are more readily seen in areas where inequality and discrimination are more prevalent. In other words, white privilege means that I, for example, as a white woman, came by these advantages historically from previous patterns of discrimination or injustices within the system. Systemic racism runs a bit deeper is more universal, kind of as a whole. It's racism integrated in various systems, such as employment, housing, education, government agencies, incarceration, police force, immigration, and healthcare, for just for some examples. When we look at systemic racism, statistics become very important as we discuss white privilege and systemic racism. In other words, we can compare the number of blacks, whites, Latinos who own homes. We can contrast how many black men are arrested and how many white men are arrested for the same infractions. We can look at legal sentencing based on those crimes. But you know what? In my edu- in this educational step to um, become more empathetic and to understand these terms, I realized there is so much information out there and it's just overwhelming. I mean, to where do I go for accurate, non-biased information? But this took me to step number two, which flows nicely from my initial pursuit and foundational objective to become more empathetic. In my experience, I knew I needed to rely on those ministries that I respect and appreciate. I had to rely on the heavies, as I called them, like Ravi Zacharias, Tim Keller, and the Gospel Coalition, Priscilla Shire, uh, Focus on the Family, Truth in Life, Family Life Today. These are some examples. Many respectable nonprofit organizations have teams of folks who are fact finders and who are attempting to produce accurate messages and reporting. They champion a biblical worldview, which offers such respect and honor towards individuals of any color or nationality. Now, I should also tell you that personally, I'm not willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I'm hoping to keep a balanced approach. A dear friend suggested that if I read a liberal book about the topic, that I swing back around and read a more conservative one to keep things balanced. And that seemed wise to me. 
My mid-June Start with a Grateful Heart newsletter offered a link with a slew of resources that you might consider. I've also included a more conservative list of sources that you might start with in the show notes of this episode. And by the way, if you'd like to stay connected, please visit my website. It's www.victoriawalker.com. And just opt in when you're there. I promise not to spam or bombard your inbox. Now, again, I'm trying to educate myself through increasing empathy. And second, I lean on the heavies to point me toward those resources that will help increase my my empathy. Um, You know, all those resources such as books, articles, movies, other ministries, even organizations that bring to light the impact that this issue is having on our world and what I can actually do about it. And it goes without saying that I also pray often to become more empathetic, wise, and discerning with all of these issues. And finally, step three in my educational quest, I commit to investing a certain amount of time in stimulating my empathy bone and educating myself each week. And we'll actually talk a little bit more about this in the concluding episode of our series, Our Souls Have No Color. And that's that one is called part three, Engage. But in a nutshell, for me, my time investment is reading a new resource, trying to understand one new perspective. Maybe I visit one new place like a Hispanic or Vietnamese grocery store. There, there are some in Lexington, you know, even in Frankfurt. Um, I try new food. I go to a place where I feel uncomfortable because of my skin color each week. I mean, do you know what it feels like to be a Latino man in the Cardinal Hill area of Lexington, Kentucky? Do you know what it feels like to be a black man trying to succeed in this world? Do you know the difficulties children face who are raised in single parent homes? Have you taken a drive through Appalachia recently? Well, I might even journal about what I'm learning and what surprises me and how this new information impacts my thoughts and attitudes. Let me tell you, I have watched so many movies recently about this topic just to increase my sensitivity. And when the tears are running down my face as a result of the injustices portrayed in the movies that I'm watching, I know then that I've grown in empathy and that God will use this resource to help me speak out in tenderness for the downtrodden and the needy and to care and to try to help them. Let me remind you that I've created a PDF downloadable worksheet for you to use as a guide to these episodes. The link is in the show notes as well as on my website. Now, let's recap our three action items for part two, educate. Number one, develop empathy. Number two, lean on the heavies. And number three, commit to spend a set amount of time each week learning about these issues. I'd like to conclude referencing Jesus. He turned hypocrisy, bigotry, favoritism directly on their heads with his teachings. He divinely judged the heart, not the outward appearance. Although I cannot judge the hearts of others, I can make sure that my heart is pure before God, that I'm seeking him, and that I'm caring for others, and that I'm serving them. When I have this posture, at least I'm less likely to pull out the judgment card against my neighbor. Do you know anyone who demonstrated more compassion than Jesus Christ, yet who received more persecution and ultimate conviction? 
What is positively mind-blowing is that he never sought to prove his worth. No, he wanted to prove our worth. His identity and mission were firm. He set out to prove just how valuable you are and how valuable I am. He gave his life for the oppressed, the lost, the lonely, the marginalized, and the downtrodden. He was innocent and declared guilty. He was victor, not victim. And he left in the wake of his resurrection, hope. The great apostle Paul challenged us to consider and esteem others. In Philippians 2.3, he wrote, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, teach us what it means to be empathetic and to fight for the cause of the downtrodden and oppressed. Open our eyes to your agenda in this matter. Heal our nation and start with me. Give us the courage to really get to know our neighbor, even if it feels a bit uncomfortable or scary. Give us your wisdom to recognize the truth as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Choose to Think podcast. In part three of this series, we will take a look at ways that we can engage as we examine and educate ourselves regarding racism. And that's going to be out in a couple of weeks. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.